powerful is the Cox Network. So powerful that one day, the internet will let your doctor perform miracles from thousands of miles away. Connecting to remote operating room. Giving a whole new meaning to the term house call. Operation complete. The Cox Network. With gig speeds everywhere, it's internet built for tomorrow, today. Cox, bringing us closer. In Cox serviceable areas, speeds vary and are not guaranteed. Cox terms apply. Other restrictions may apply. Introducing Carvana Value Tracker, where you can track your car's value over time and learn what's driving it. It might make you excited. Whoa, didn't know my car was valued this high. It might make you nervous. Uh-oh, market's flooded. My car's value just dipped 2.3%. It might make you optimistic. Our low mileage is paying off. Our value's up. And it might make you realistic. Mm, car prices haven't gone up in a couple weeks. Maybe it's time to sell. But it will definitely make you an expert on your car's value. Carvana Value Tracker. Visit Carvana.com to start tracking your car's value today. Confession of faith together. Let's go. For God's glory, this is my best year yet. To the word I'm about to hear, I believe, I obey, I manifest, and that settles it in Jesus' name. Amen. So God, we tell you that we are open and we are ready. We are ready to receive, so speak to us with strength. Speak to us with power now. Father, we cast every care upon you because you care for us. And in this profound spiritual moment, we pray, Father, that we will be open and ready, that nothing will block us from receiving or hearing your word. And I pray, God, that the Holy Ghost would arrest us wherever we are and take us to the place in you that you've ordained for us to be. We declare, God, that we're not just excited about what's happening around us. We're excited more about what's happening in us because you are making us better. You're making us stronger. You're making us wiser. You are making us better Christians. You are making us better leaders. You're making us better business people. Come on, can I get you to just say, he's making me better. Come on, say it again. Say, he's making me better. In Jesus' name. Grab a seat. Let's go to work. So our series is called Summer Songs. We've been learning some spiritual principles from uh, uh, songs that have the word summer in them. And what's amazing is we started with Summer Cookout, which is not a song, but a popular summer event that the truth is you can't have a summer uh, cookout without some summer songs. There is no such thing as a cookout without some good music. Y'all not saying that to me. There's no such thing as a good party without some good music. There's no such thing. Watch me. Even when you get in your car, you need got to have the right music playing. When you're at the gym, you got to have the right music playing. Why? Because music creates atmospheres and atmospheres produce acceleration. Whenever you're in the right atmosphere, it can accelerate things in your life that would normally take a long time. Whenever you place something in the right atmosphere, it can take what should have taken five years. It can make it happen in five minutes. It can. Uh, Bishop, how do you know that? Because there was a woman with an issue of blood that in her atmosphere, she could couldn't see results for 12 years but when she got in the right atmosphere and touched the right thing at the right time everything changed just like that and for some of y'all I need you to hear me your atmosphere has been changing because God wants to ensure that you are in a seat of acceleration in summer cookout, I showed you how one cookout, one weird situation, how it changed Saul's life for the better forever. It was one cookout that he was invited to. And sometimes God will invite you to places. He'll invite you to environments. He'll invite you to situations. And here's the deal. You may not even want to go, but there's something that he's got there that's for you. There may be something, watch me, there may be trips you say, I don't want to take, but there may be something he's ordained for you. God used a weird situation and Samuel, the man of God, invites Saul to the cookout. Somebody say he was invited to the cookout. 
and this cookout changes his life forever and he becomes a prophet and he becomes the very first king not just in his family not just in his bloodline but in the history of the nation of Israel in other words what's on you is history making what Come on, y'all. I need you to break yourself out of little thinking. Come on, open your mouth and say, what's on me is history making. I no, you're not just going to do it in Denver. It's going to be national for you. You're not just going to be national. Where are my international people at? You. I need some of y'all to go get that passport ready, baby, because when everybody else's travel is going down, your travel's about to go up. When everybody else is sitting at home, you're about to be here, there, and everywhere. Why? Your name's about to be brought up, and favor's about to find you, and opportunity is about to open for you. Say, I'm a history maker. He is the first king in the history of the nation of Israel. And unlike everybody else in his bloodline, he becomes the first prophet. He's the first man of God in his bloodline. Listen. For many of you, you are the patriarch or matriarch of spirituality in your bloodline. You are the patriarch or the matriarch of spirituality in your family. What does that mean, Bishop? Is that everybody looks to you, even people that are older than you, because you're the spiritual one. This is why, watch me, let them talk about you for the little bit they're going to talk about you. Because before it's said and done, I think I got some witnesses. They're going to be calling you. What's that church website again? And you pray for me. What did you say? My house is what? Getting ready to what next? Something get what? What did you, what is that saying? You text me the other day. I need you to fist bump somebody next to you and say, they're going to need you before it's over. They because you will be the first one to be the high spiritual one. You'll be the one that when somebody's got cancer, they're going to call you and say, come lay your hands on her. When somebody's got an issue, they're going to call you and say, can you pray for me? He's the first prophet and he's the first king. He's spiritual and he's successful. And watch me, he's anointed and appointed to become king. This is amazing because Saul never even knew there was a throne available because there was no throne available. God had this idea in his mind that he was going to give the children of Israel what they asked for. God did not, in fact, want them to have a natural king. God said to them, I want to be your king, but since y'all want a natural king, I'm going to give you what you asked for. That's why Saul's name in Hebrew means asked for. In other words, God says, when I gave you Saul, I gave you what you I gave you what you asked for. Now, God says, in my mind, I'm creating this new role called a king. And um, Israel, you've never had one of these before. And in you never having one of these before, this is going to be brand new for you. I'm going to give you a king. And when I give you this king, um, not only is it going to be brand new for you, watch me, but nobody is even going to know what it looks like because it's going to be so fresh. Hmm. In other words, what I want to do for you, you know it's better, you just can't articulate what it is. Is there anybody in the building or online where you know there's greater, but your problem is you can't quite put your finger on what greater is. You just know that it's greater than this. I need somebody in this building and online to just say there's greater that I've never seen before. See, what if you were going to create a whole new industry that did not exist? What if you were going to create a whole new business plan that didn't exist? I saw something the other day that one of the CEOs of one of these uh, tech companies, uh, Patreon, which is like a, a membership thing where different people can have, that he was homeless and now he's a billionaire. He, 
he created something that did not exist and it took him from not having a house to having houses yep Come on. And that type of anointing is the same thing that's on you. I don't care where you at right now, but baby, your future looks better than your present. And the best of it's going to be in these next six months. This is going to be fresh. This is going to be new. There's never been a king and, uh, and there's never been someone that's done this before, but you will be the first. And so after he's anointed and appointed to become king, once he's made king, there's some people who don't like him. There's some haters. And here's the deal. You know you're making progress when you have haters. If you have no haters, you're not very good at anything. Because people don't hate what's bad. People don't hate on what's whack. People hate on what they wish they could. See, they hate you because they ain't you. I wish I had some of y'all in the building that understood that proof that you got some people that are talking about you means you're worth talking about. Proof that you got people coming against you. Watch me. Why does it take all of y'all to come against one of me? Why does it take a whole crew? Why does it take a whole clique? Why does it take a whole game? Evidently, you must be scared. I need you to fist bump two or three people around you and say your haters are your elevators. Huh? Every time they hate on you, I just step. I just step. I just, why? He said he'll make my enemies my footstool, which means every time my enemy shows up, I'm getting ready to step up. And the Bible refers to these haters in a special way. The Bible calls them what? Scoundrels. Scallywags, skeezers, suckers. First Samuel 10, 27, some scoundrels, what did they do? They complained. What does that mean? They, they had a problem with no solution. And it's important that you don't just talk about your haters, but it's also important that you're not a hater yourself. Because haters get benched. If you ever felt like, God, why won't you put me in the game? It could be, it's not that who's in the game is better than you, it's just that they don't hate. Sometimes God will let you see, can I say this the way I want to say it? He'll let you see less talented, less skilled, less anointed people doing something. And you're trying to figure out, God, how they on. And God, watch me, it may not be that they're better than you. It just may mean that they're not a hater like you. I need you to open your mouth and say, Lord, forgive me for ever hating. Forgive They complained, so they brought a problem with no solution. Then they scorned him. This means they were unpleasant to deal with, and then they refused to bring him gifts. They disrespected him. But what does the Bible say Saul did? But Saul ignored them. And here's what I need you to recognize. Focus is what you look at and what you ignore. For most of us, we know what we want to look at. We don't know what we need to ignore. Sometimes you need to put people on do not disturb which means I'm not fooling with you. Don't come to me with that. You are on DND. Don't come over here with that. Don't come over here with that. Some of you need to put some of your relatives on DND. Don't come over here with that. I don't have time for that. Watch me. Because people gone people. And I need you to stop. Watch me. Stop getting caught up in their mess. Stop getting caught up in their stuff. And recognize that part of my focus is not just what I look at. But part of my focus is also what I choose to ignore. Open your mouth and make this declaration. Say, Lord, help me to ignore what I need to ignore because people gone people that's today's message people gone people and what does that mean is that people are going to do the things that people do and rather than you trying to change what people do you need to change how you respond to what people do 
Y'all not saying nothing to me tonight. You, you sitting there trying to change people. I ain't trying to change you, baby. Uh, listen, I don't have enough time to spend my life trying to change you. Instead, what I need to do is change how I respond to you. Why? Because I got one life to live and I refuse to stand before God saying I did not get it done because people gone people. Y'all still with me? So look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Um, this compounds. What is the, this? The scoundrels. People peopling. It compounds what's already going on in Saul. What's going on in him? He's grieving while great things are happening. I want you to think for a moment about the reality of the situation. Um, um, for a moment, come on, you're going to be Saul today. Let's go. I want you to think for a moment. So you're invited to this cookout. And then give me some cookout music. You know, give me some. Hey, 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 hey. What y'all know about that? That's, that's that cameo. What it tastes like? Tastes like. Ow! Baby! Okay, okay, all right, let's see. Listen, listen, listen. So you're invited to the cookout. No, keep the music going, keep the music going. Keep the music going. Keep the music going. So you're invited to the cookout, and then this one cookout, Sammy's like, listen, so once we're done eating, you, I, I'm gonna tell you what's really going on. See, you lost your father's donkeys. I invited you to my cookout, I gave you the best piece of meat. Because you're getting ready to become king. Now, for a moment, now, now that sounds exciting, right? But think about what he has to leave. He has to leave comfort. He, watch me. You're king now, so you can't hang out with these regular people no more. And for some of y'all, this is why God has been changing your circles because you are elevating to the queen that you are and to the king that you are. And kings and queens do not hang out with court jesters. I need you to look at somebody next to you and tell them kings hang around kings. Huh? You cannot be around regular folks. Because kings are talking about different things. Kings are talking about budgets. Regular people are talking about bills. Y'all not saying that. Kings are talking about future and vision. And regular people are talking about going to have a party. No, baby, I'm building something amazing. And I do not have time for your low level of speak. Because people gone people. You're invited to this cookout. But now you got to leave regular folk. Now you got to leave who you grew up with. You ready? Now you got to leave the city you grew up in. I don't like the way some of y'all are saying Now you got to leave the house you grew up in. Now you got to leave. the. You don't get to go to the, to the, to re, to the reunion because you're the king now. So that means there are certain places you don't get to go anymore. There are certain environments the Holy Ghost will say, mm, don't go over there. Don't go over there. Because uh -uh, they're going to pull you down. And then you're going to walk out of there thinking, they're going to make you think, but you're trying to act better than us. You're trying to, and you didn't say nothing but walk in there. It's because your very presence is a rebuke to average. So he's, he's, he's got to leave that. So think about everything that he has to leave. And watch me, and how quickly does he have to leave it? The Bible says the donkeys that were lost three days ago, which means, watch me, in 72 hours, everything in your life has to change. 
You know, listen. In other words, all of this change has to happen, and it has to happen in three days. But check this out. There's a lot of things that can happen in three days because when they killed Jesus, they thought it was over for him. But I need somebody to come on, old school Baptist. But three days later, he rose again. 72 hours. In 72 hours, everything changes. Think about what he has to leave. Think about what he has to lose. Can I go home and get my own clothes? Nope. You won't need that stuff no more. See, for some of you, let me tell you what you need to start doing. You need to start liquidating. You need to start simplifying. You need to start reducing. Because what you have matches where you were. <laughs> and there's some, you need to make some room for some new stuff. I, Woo. I wish you would sit next to somebody of faith. Fist bump them and say, you need to make room for some new stuff. I... Yeah, you need to let go of some of them old outfits, baby. I need you to have you some power suits because you're about to be sitting in power meetings with powerful people. Y'all, I'm not saying nothing. Come on, say these next six months. Say it again. These next six months. Think about what he has to leave. So he's, it's him and his servant. They were on what they thought was going to be a quick trip to go back home. They were going to the QT and they were going to head home. But now, now Samuel's bringing him in front of a group of people larger than he's ever seen. Watch me. He knew there was more. He just didn't know what it looked like. And when Samuel puts him in front of this group of people that were larger than he'd ever seen, as he sees the crowd... Watch me, all of his insecurities and fears begin to come out. Because now he wonders, am I good enough for what I asked for? I wish I had. Do I have what it takes? You ever, you ever been right at what you prayed for and then got scared that you wasn't going to be able? You ever got what right to the edge of what you were believing God for and then fear tried to rise up in you and punk you? I pray that fear would not punk you. I pray that your process would not punk you. Hear me, Harvest. You are well able. Please open your mouth and say that. Say, we are well able. The well Bible says he's hiding not behind the baggage, but he is hiding, watch me, amongst the baggage. In other words, he's trying to fit in, watch me, with the past that he knows. Because your baggage represents things that you brought from your past into your present with an attempt to use them for your future. Now, recognizing, watch me, that there's, the re there's a reason it's your past. There's a reason you quit fooling with them. There's a reason you stop calling them. There's a reason you stop interacting with them. And sometimes loneliness can make you start reaching to what you ought not reach to. And it's not that you're alone, you're just in the unfamiliar. And the unfamiliar can be scary because it's unfamiliar. Do I get to call my father? No, you don't need to call Kish. Don't worry about, no. Matter of fact, I don't want you talking to him. Because if you talk to him, he may try to talk you out of... So no, don't reach to your natural father. Uh-uh. That's why God gave you me, Saul, Samuel, because you needed a spiritual. Whoop, you needed a man of God to speak into you because you're natural. You know what they're gonna do? They're gonna pull you right back over there to Benjamin. They're gonna pull you right. So I had to bring separation for a reason. He's hiding amongst the baggage. Samuel, literally, there's so many people. Samuel's like, Lord, where is he? 
Like, Lord, where is he? And the Lord calls him out. The Lord calls him out. I remember the only time I ever went to a house party. And I was 16 years old. I've told this story before. And I, and I, and I, and I you know, I was not, you know, I was not a party goer. You know, partying for me was, you know, New Year's Eve church. Like, you know. It's real judgmental in here right now, right? I was not a party goer. You know, I was not that guy. I was handling business and saving souls. Like, this is what I was doing. So, so I was not that guy. And so, I, you know, it's a house party. It's a birthday party. And so I'm just, you know, I'm just over here in the corner. I'm just in the corner minding my business. That, that wall is shrunk. And then all of a sudden, it was a worship leader. <laughs> it was a worship leader. And then all of a sudden, he sees me in the corner. He walks over to me. He's like, why you ain't dancing? I was like, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. And then all of a sudden, he calls me out, pulls me in the middle of the floor, and embarrasses me in front of all them people. And I guess he thought I was going to respond to his call out, like start dancing or something. I posted up. I was so nervous because when I was called out, I was not expecting it. Pay attention. For some of you, here's where you're at. You ask for more. And when more knocks, you hide behind the baggage. And when more knocks, you hide behind, well, I don't have the experience. You're right, Saul. You don't have the experience. But what do you think I've been having you do for the last 30 years? Prepare. And I need you to make this declaration. Say, and I'm prepared. I See, there's a difference between experience and preparation. So experience means you've done that particular thing before, but preparation means that you've done enough things that will give you the wisdom that you need to do that thing. David said it like this. I fought a bear, a bear and I fought a lion. So who is this uncircumcised, no covenant having, jab time, scoundrel, skeezer, scallywag, sucker that's defying the armies of the living God? He was like, I'm not mad at Goliath. He said, because people, gone people, what I'm mad at is y'all's response to him. So he's hiding amongst the baggage. The Lord calls him out. The Lord is like, he's right here. Samuel's like, boy, if you don't come up out of there, Samuel gets him. Samuel says, come on, let's go. <laughs> Samuel, Samuel's aggressive. <laughs> Samuel says, come on in now, stand here. Stand right here. You're doing too much. Sometimes you need somebody that ain't going to take your mess. Oh, my God. Who can thank God for the people in your life that don't put up with your mess? I that's a real friend. A real friend is the one that'll check you. A real friend is the one that'll say, ah, ah, it ain't going down. And watch me. I ain't going to leave you. No, I love you. So I'm going to just say what needs to be said because we, we in this thing. But I just need to make sure you understand that I see you. Watch this. Watch this. You know, my new saying is watch me, but my old saying was watch this. Here you go. I want to present to you for the first time Cleveland Heights' own sexual chocolate. Come on, now this way. <laughs>
That's, it. That's coming to America. That's not bad, but listen. You ain't wrong, no, sir. <laughs> this man said you ain't wrong. Listen. <laughs> Look at somebody say, have fun in church. So watch, so watch, so watch. And everybody starts saying, long live the king. 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 Everybody's celebrating him. And he's, he's presented with something he's never had. He's presented with something he's never wore. He's presented with things no one's ever seen. And no one's ever had. Because he's the first. He's the history maker. And for some of you, watch me, you're presented with things that no one's ever had. No one's, they're going to say, we don't normally do this for people, but for you, that's because favor has found you. Bishop, how do I know favor has found me? You'll hear words like this, but this isn't protocol, but well, we don't normally do it like this, but well, it's supposed to be this amount, but we're going to make it this amount for you. Well, you're only supposed to get this much pay, but for you, we're going to give you. Come on here, student loan shorter. It's supposed to be this, but we're going to give you. Ready? Here he is. You're the king. But think about what he has to leave behind. Because for the rest of your life, sir, you belong to them. Uh-oh. So you don't get the same freedoms. It's quiet now. So you, you, you prayed for a family. You have one. And now your life. I need to have mm -mm. your life now is connected inextricably to somebody else. See, now you have an assignment you're responsible for. See, before you knew what you were created to do, you were just doing stuff, trying to figure out what you were supposed to do. But now that you know what you're created to do, even if you wanted to quit, you couldn't quit because there's something in you that won't let you let go. I say it again. There's something in you that won't let you let go because you're now responsible for your assignment. So even when you have these little premeditated quits in your mind, that's the only place it goes. Why? Because your assignment now is calling you accountable. Y'all with me? Wednesday, we're almost done. Just think about what he has to give up. Think about what he has to leave. He's grieving. And now he's already grieving all of these things. Not to mention inside you feel like a failure. Because you couldn't even find your father's donkeys and you about to lead the nation. God picks you when you feel like you should not be picked. And I need everybody to hear me. He is coming to get you. Watch me. When you feel like you don't want to go on. When did his servant have the idea? When Saul said, let's go home. When Saul was ready to give up, that's when the servant said, but I heard there's a man of God in the city. Finally, they entered Zuff. Say honeycomb. That means you're going to be rewarded. Because when he was looking for his father's donkeys that were lost, he had to go to four different places to find the donkeys. And then when he gets to the fifth place where he's going to meet Samuel, what does he say? Let's go home. Say he's grieving. What is he grieving? An unsuccessful pursuit. This feels like a little much when I couldn't even get the donkeys. Come on, y'all. Why am I being given this when I don't even feel like I did a great job? 
Y'all not saying nothing. I'm grieving the fact that I've got to leave the comfort that I know. I got to leave the comfort of Benjamin. I got to leave the comfort of, of, of that environment. I got to leave the comfort of that. Look at verse 21. Saul replied, I'm only from the tribe of Benjamin, the smallest tribe. My family is the least important. Why are you talking to me like this? When Samuel begins to tell him, you're about to be king. He's like, what are you? What? Whoa. So what is he grieving now? The insecurity of his pedigree. My background doesn't match this blessing. And I pray that everything the enemy would try to make you tell, tell you you don't deserve because of your background, I cancel the lies of the enemies that, that have been spread and spewed into your life, into your ear. I need you to make this declaration. Say, he picked me anyhow. Wednesday, if you're glad that he overlooked your issues and picked you anyhow, I'm going to give you an opportunity to show your gratitude with worship. On the count of three, put a worship in here for five seconds. Go. One, two, three, five. Five. Three. Two. Come on. Fist bump somebody say, and he picked you anyhow. First Samuel 10, 22. So they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he's hiding among the baggage. So they found him and brought him out. He's grieving all the things I just mentioned to you, his past. So let's think about this. He's grieving an unsuccessful pursuit. He's grieving the insecurity of his pedigree. And he's grieving his past. Unresolved past issues can sometimes be the greatest challenge in your present pursuit. Just because you don't talk about it doesn't mean you resolved it. And I need you to be healthy and healed. Watch me. Not just physically, but even in your soul, your mind, your thoughts, your will, and your emotions. Why? Because you're not going to turn this into that. Oh, my God. Come on, say that Wednesday. Say, this will not turn into that. So in Sunday's song, Never Dream You Leave Me in Summer by Stevie Wonder, I taught you that grief is our automatic response to loss. It's automatic. It automatically happens. You don't get to tell yourself to grieve, but you get to tell yourself when grief is over. You don't get to tell yourself when grief happens because it happens automatically if your mind in any way, shape, form, or fashion perceives that there's been some form of loss. But you do, you do get to decide when the grief is over because the final stage of grief is called acceptance, and acceptance is a choice. I taught you that grief can be a paradox as a result of something good that's happened. So you can even have, watch me, Saul, all of this is good stuff. This is great. A cookout and your king. Why they do that? You didn't go to King School. <laughs> you didn't take no YouTube courses on being a king. <laughs> you ain't got no Google Learning Labs about how to be king. You literally have had 30 years of life, and God says, you the one. And everything you've learned in these last 30 years has got you prepared for this seat. And I could have picked anybody anybody but I picked you and even when you hide from my pick I'm not changing my mind you're gonna need to come up for everybody who thinks you're gonna get God to change his mind if you rebel enough if you run enough can I tell you what he gonna do why listen you can run to the club all you want and while you in there dropping it he's gonna come pick you right up and say if you don't get your behind off the floor 
You can run back to that old relationship if you want to. And while you sitting there with tears rolling down your face saying, why in the heaven, hell, and earth did I do this? God's going to be like, you had enough of this? You had enough? Are you done? Are you done? You ready? Are you going to do what I said to do now? Or you can stay here. You can stay here. You can stay. I'll come get you when you're ready. Because somebody in this bloodline is going to be the curse breaker. Somebody in this bloodline is going to be the history maker. Somebody in this bloodline is going to be the lion crosser. And I need you to make this declaration and say, and it's me. So look at this. It can be something good that you grieve over. And so I was literally grieving over good things that were happening. Grief is seen in its symptoms, physical symptoms of grief. I went through these on Sunday. Emotional, spiritual, social, cognitive symptoms of grief. So this explains why after Saul has this great military success and he becomes sloppy and stubborn, which makes him stagnant because he refused to obey God's commandment. Pay attention. Stubbornness sometimes is caused by grief. Because I don't want to lose anymore. So I'm going to be stubborn. I don't want to lose anymore, so I'm not going to change. I don't want to lose it. You ever been in a place in life, can we be honest Wednesday? Where, where you're like, I don't want to lose anymore, so I... Well, come on, be honest. I don't want to lose anymore. I don't want to lose... Listen, I can't take another loss. I can't have another person that does me dirty, so I don't want nobody around me. And then you get mad. Ain't nobody around me. And then when you do bring people around you, <laughs> you're like, well, don't you do me like them other people did me. And then you become a self-fulfilling prophet because you'll literally create the circumstances that will create the exact same situation again because you turn this into that. You still with me Wednesday? Stubborn. What is that? It's the determination not to change your attitude or position on something in spite of good reasons to do so. Saul got stubborn, and the reason he got stubborn, it's easy to look at him and say, I can't believe Saul did that. But I need you to not do what most people do, because people go on people. It's amazing how most people like to point out all of Saul's failures, but not celebrate the fact that, dude, you are the first king. Not just in Benjamin, but of Israel. You are the first one in your family to be a man of God. You are the first. It's easy to look at his failures and overlook his successes. And wouldn't that be a travesty if people did you like that? Where they judged your future based on your mistakes. Oh my God. And I feel bad for the people that have done that to you. Why? Because in these next six months, they're about to see you got this type of anointing. I got to bounce back. You may have taken some L's, but you're about to bounce back. You may have had some disappointments, but you've got a bounce back. Because people, gone people. He's stubborn. Look at 1 Samuel 15 and 11. It says this. I'm sorry. Now, this is, so who's grieving? Saul is grieving. All right? Now, now, come, 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 come on. You. <laughs> I pointed at him, he like, you need to be Saul. Okay. You're going to be so. There we go. Now watch me. Now you're going to play God. Just in this demonstration. All right, you ready? Look at 1 Samuel 15, 11. So Saul refuses to obey God's commandment. And I want you to watch what happens. I am sorry that I ever made this Mark king. He has not been loyal to me, which means grief affects your loyalty. When you're grieving, you're disloyal to what you should be loyal to. And sometimes you become loyal to what should have never had your loyalties in the first place. 
You ever found yourself reaching for people that wouldn't cross the street for you because grief has got you reaching low? And the people who would run through a troop for you, you treating dirty. Sometimes you can have a David attitude where you love who hates you and you hate who loves you. And it's grief that makes you act that way. God says, this Mark ain't been loyal to me. I done brought him to my cookout, let him eat my good food, played my good music, brought him all out, gave him this throne, made him a man of God. I turned him into a whole different man. And now he's going to tell me he ain't going to do what I say he's going to do. So watch me. Not only is Saul grieving, watch me, God is grieving too. Saul is grieving. Now God is grieving. God says, when I picked you, Saul, my expectation was that you would be loyal. But I found out these Saul's ain't loyal. No. No. These Saul's. When the king of kings wants you and your daddy can't do nothing for you. These souls ain't loyal. Listen, that's what God, God said. He's not loyal. He's not loyal. Look at me. What does Saul mean? Asked for. When he gives you what you asked for, does he lose your loyalty? You asked for that little marriage, and now you're disloyal to God. And I said, little on purpose. You asked for that little business, and now that you got the business, now God's lost your loyalty. You asked for the job, and now that you got the job that God gave you, God lost your loyalty. Don't be the type of Christian that when he gives you Saul, what you asked for, that he loses your loyalty. Come on, I need you to pray this with me. Wednesday. Say, Lord, I don't want. Come on. For you. To lose my loyalty. Say, I declare I'll be loyal to you. I'll be loyal to what you want. I'll be loyal to what you desire. I'll be loyal to what you require. I'll be loyal to your will. In Jesus' name. All the loyal people just shout loyal. Here we go. Look at verse 22. So now Saul is speaking to Samuel. I'm Samuel. Saul is speaking to Samuel. So everybody know the characters on the stage. Who's this for the illustration? This guy. Who's this? Saul. Who am I? Samuel. All right. So Saul is trying to tell Samuel all of this stuff. He's like, look, I've done the will of the Lord. Samuel's like, no, you didn't. I hear sheep. Bye, bye. It's sheep. Stay sheeping. People, people. Sheep, sheep. Okay. So, so watch me. So he's doing this. And as he's doing this, um, he's like, okay, well, all right. We did keep some stuff. Uh, what had happened is, um, well, Leroy had wanted me to hold on. You know what he does? He blames who he has charge over for why he did what he did. And can I tell every leader the burden of leadership is that at the end of the day, it falls on you. Touch the person next to you. Say, you're a leader. Say, it falls on you. Because when Leroy was saying, let's hold on to some of these sheep, Saul should have said, now put the sheep down. Now the Lord was already clear. Now you pick up another sheep and that's going to be it for you. You know what? You know what happened? Saul's grief, you ready? Made him weak. 
Because since he's grieving, he sees his guys doing some stuff, and he's like, just let them do it. You ready for this one? This is going to be a bomb, and I promise I'm going to say it real fast. We're going to move on. You ready? I'm going to say it real fast. What are you letting slide because grief won't let you be strong? Let's move on. So he's talking. He's ta- that one, you need to go back and replay that one. Because there's some stuff you letting slide that you need. That, and here's the reason why. Because you're grieving. And your grief is like, I don't even have the energy to fight that fight. But I pray you get the strength you need so that you don't let stuff slide. Come on, all of us, let's pray this. Say, Lord, give me the strength I need so I don't let slide what should not slide. Every leader should pray that prayer because I understand what it is to be in that place. I get it, all right? Let's go. So he's talking to him. So Samuel is like, listen. <laughs> I love it. Samuel's, listen. Obedience is better than sacrifice because here's what Saul tells Samuel. Well, we're going to sacrifice some of the sheep. We're going to have another cookout tomorrow. And we're going to give the Lord a burnt offering. This is my plan. He says, listen, dude, obedience is better than sacrifice. Says, you should have done what he told you to do. And submission is better than the offering of the fat of rams. He says, you should have obeyed and you should have submitted. So what does this tell us? Grief attacks your obedience and your submission. When you're grieving, you find reasons not to do what you know you're supposed to do. How many of you, watch me, you've been grieving, and in you grieving, you're like, I know I need to go to the gym, but your child. Come on, Wednesday, don't do that to me. Maybe it ain't the gym, but you know it's something you're supposed to do. Your car was supposed to be washed eight weeks ago. You ain't been to the car wash yet. There's things that we put off that we know we're supposed to do that we do not do because we're grieving. Procrastination then can sometimes be fueled by grief. I don't want to deal with that because I'm dealing with too much. So let me put this over here with the rest of my baggage. Obedience and submission sometimes are the casualties of grief. What is submission? Submission deals with the posture of your heart. So you can't be submissive and stubborn at the same time. So submission means my posture is I'm under a mission and I get with the mission and make the mission happen. Got it? Sub under mission. But grief makes you say, Mm-mm. I'm not doing that. Mm-mm. You lift your hands. You touch your neighbor. Mm-mm. I'm not doing it. You can tell the people who are grieving on your job. Everybody on the meeting, you know, having a little good time. And, all, and the grieving ones, is, their picture ain't even on. <laughs> and then when they do have to come on the camera, it takes them 45 seconds to unfind the mute button. <laughs> Got us seeing all of this. You ready? Submission. It means you're stubborn to deal with. To get you to do anything, it takes a act. Well, Congress doesn't act, so let's not say that. It takes, no, it's not a political statement. I was going to say it takes an act of Congress, but... <laughs> you know, some of them get some stuff done. In Jesus' name. Since we're here, Father, we pray. 
for Congress. All of them. Jesus. And what do we pray? Somebody say, the blood. <laughs> we need a whole service just for that. Right? He says, obedience and sacrifice. These things are taking a hit because you're grieving. And you find a reason to justify why you didn't obey or why you don't submit because you are grieving. Look at verse 23. Rebellion. What is rebellion? Not doing what you were told to do. What is rebellion? Refusing to submit, refusing to obey. What are those? Choices. And why do those choices sometimes not, are, are not correct? Because of grief. I'm sewing it down right through here. We're about to turn up, but I'm sewing it down right through here. Because for some of you, watch me, you do not want your grief to make God grieve. I don't want him to look at me and say that foreman. I love him. But uh, you don't want him to look at you and then look for another because looking at you makes him grieve. Well, Bishop, doesn't he love me? He can love you and not use you. Well, Bishop, doesn't he love me? Oh, he can love you and just choose to terminate your services. <laughs> he terminated Saul and let him reign for 42 years until David was ready. For 42 years, he sat on the throne. But for 42 years, the Bible says a distressing spirit came upon him. So when he was doing what he was created to do, it used to make him happy. Now it makes him miserable. Say, Lord, I don't want you to grieve me. No, seriously, Wednesday, is that really your prayer? Like, I, I don't want you to grieve over me and what I was supposed to do and what I was created to do. I don't want that. I want him to look at me and say, God, uh, that foreman, whoo, ain't nobody like him. Come on, speak what the Lord's going to speak over you. Say your name. Say, and the Lord will say about me that there's nobody like me. That he's well pleased with me. That he's well pleased with me. Come on, even if you feel like he's not right now, can I tell you God's praying over you and his word over you say, and the Lord is pleased with me. And the Lord isn't grieving over me. In Jesus' name. I pray condemnation fall off of you. I pray guilt fall off of you. I pray weight fall off of you. I pray condemnation fall off of you. Now there is no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. You with me? Almost done. This rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft. Now why does Samuel use this language? Because the Bible says that there's a punishment for witches. You know what the Bible says? Suffer not a witch to live. That's old school. Let me give you the, the, the new translation. Kill that witch. That's Bible. So watch me. Rebellion makes you a witch or a warlock. So you think it's people with them pentagrams on and, and, and them little devil suits and all of that walking around in all black. Do you not know that Satanists don't actually believe in the deity of Satan? They believe in the deity of self. 
Only 5% of practicing Satanists believe in the deity or the God-like nature of the enemy because even they know that's ridiculous. They worship at the altar of self, which means I will do what I want to do regardless of what God wants to do. And rebellion is, is the sin of witchcraft. So why does Samuel use this language? Because he's saying, Samuel, the, Saul, the penalty for what you have done. I'm not mad at the fact that you messed up. I'm mad at how you handle it. I'm not mad at the fact that you sinned, Adam. I'm mad that you blamed her. See, y'all going to catch it in a minute. I'm not mad that you slept with him. I'm mad that you won't acknowledge the reason that you keep going back to what you prayed to get away from. Y'all not saying nothing to me. God's issue over and over again wasn't just the sin. His issue was how they handled it once they were called out for it. Because can I go, can we go honest? I'm about, we're about to turn up Wednesday. Touch your neighbor and say, let's go deep. Who was a worse sinner, David or Saul? Saul, Saul wasn't out there sleeping around. Saul didn't set up nobody else's uh, uh, husband to be, to be murdered. Y'all not saying nothing to me? Saul didn't trick Bathsheba to come upstairs and turn out the lights and light a candle. Saul, the only error we see with Saul is this. And this cost him the kingdom. But David was a liar, a cheater, a heartbreaker, a deceiver, a murderer. And you know what God says about him? He's a man after my own heart. Why? Because David knew how to say, wait a minute, God, it was me. And I need somebody on this Wednesday that knows how to repent, which means I may mess up. But I know how to confess up and I know how to tell God, Lord, against you and you only have I sinned. Come on, lift your hands. Say, Lord, I repent. Come on, Wednesday. Say, Lord, I repent. In other words, in other words, who was worse? David was way worse. If you want to start weighing who did what. But David knew how to say. Mm -mm. ain't gonna be no distance between us I ain't gonna let no skeezer come in between me and you y'all not saying that I ain't gonna let no relationship come in between me and you where are the people in the building that can say God I'm not letting anything come between you and I see Saul got arrogant and Saul didn't think that he needed to repent but David every time David messed up you found David worshiping this is why doing worship, watch me, is not a concert for us to watch. See, doing worship, this is our opportunity to say, God, I worship you in spirit, watch me, and in truth. Which means I lift my hands not because I'm perfect. I lift my hands because your blood washed me. I lift my hands because I'm grateful. And you know why I shout so much? Because the enemy wanted to shut my shout down. You know why I praise so much? It's because I'm grateful for your sacrifice 2,000 years ago. He says... He says, who's worse? David is way worse. If you want to weigh sin, David did way more. Saul only did this. This is it. David's rap sheet has pages. 
Saul's rap sheet has one line. But this one line cost him the kingdom. See, some of y'all, you think, I don't sin like those other people, but you're a witch. You're a warlock because you are rebellious. You are stubborn. Y'all got quiet right there. This is Wednesday. I'm speaking to mature people, right? You may say, I don't, I don't, I don't, act, I ain't doing all that stuff all them other people doing. And God is like, you don't even get it. See, you are making your spirituality based on a sense of moral superiority. You think you're better than them because you don't do what they do. See, watch me. That was their drug of choice. Yours is rebellion. Look at somebody next to you say, don't judge anybody. Don't judge anybody. Because guess what? Had you been in their same shoes, you might understand why they reach for what... Why they reaching for what they reaching for. And instead of judging people, hear me, Harvest, we're the type of church that speaks life into people. You are not condemned. You are not cast down. I need every person that knows you've been forgiven for a whole lot to just worship God for five seconds right there. Go five. I've been forgiven for much. That's why my praise is much. I've been forgiven for a whole lot. That's why my praise is a whole lot. And I'm not arrogant and I'm not rebellious. Let's go. We got to wrap up. Rebellion is as sinful as witchcraft and stubbornness is as bad as worshiping idols. He says, you might as well have made an idol because your rebellion, you might, you might as well get your pentagram and bow to it. He says, because this is the same thing stubbornness is. This is you worshiping an idol. Watch me. You have rejected the command of the Lord. Therefore, he has rejected you from being king. He didn't reject you, Saul. He rejected you for all of what we just saw. He says, well, you can't have that now. Not because you sinned, but because when I called you out on it, your heart was rebellious and stubborn. You only admitted you were wrong after Saul or Samuel had to tell you several times. Be the kind of person where you tell on yourself. Come on, Wednesday. So watch me. Saul was grieving. Samuel, or God is grieving. Look at this next part. 1 Samuel 15, 35. And Samuel did not see Saul again, but Samuel grieved over Saul. Saul is grieving. God is grieving. Now Samuel's grieving. We have a trifecta of grief. We have a grief triangle. Everybody grieving. And here's the danger of grief. Notice the Bible says, Samuel and Saul, there's distance. Because what the enemy needed to do was to create distance between Saul and his man of God. Let's create distance. Don't go to church for a little bit. Don't log online for a little while. Just take you some time. Process some stuff. Because now, the further you get away from the voice you've been assigned to, now watch me. Now, not only is there confusion, but because you've already proven you have rebellion, you want to know what ends up happening? You'll start grabbing and reaching for things that you ought not grab 
He reached for. Saul is grieving. God is grieving. Samuel's grieving. Somebody say, everybody grieving. What was supposed to be the most exciting story of scripture like that turns into an, a lifetime two-part special. It turns into a dateline, 9 o'clock on Friday night. Y'all know about them dateline shows, 9 o'clock on Friday night. It was a cold night, and, <laughs> and it's <laughs> like, where did they get this voiceover from? You ready? Then they got the little ominous music playing. Play it, play it, play it. They got the. It was a cold night in Denver, Colorado. And it seemed like everything was getting ready to turn around. But then it got quiet. <laughs> that's good. Oh, that's good. I got so good. I forgot what I was going to say. That's good. That boy, good. All right. <laughs> I forgot what I was going to say. It's so good. That's good. Let's do some Dateline voiceovers. This will be fun. How many stages did grief father? there? Five. What's number one? It's on the screen. Denial. Saul is in the denial because he's like, God's going to give it back to me. I'm going to get it back. I'm going to get it back. But you can't get it back because you've separated yourself from who gave it to you. I'm going to get it back. I'm going to get it back. I'm going to get it back. God is grieving. He's like, I can't believe he did this. All right. That's okay. I got another guy in mind. He's from Judah. He'll give me praise. Maybe, maybe that's, watch me. Maybe that's where I made my mistake because I shouldn't have reached so low. Denial, anger, bargaining, depression. Final stage of grief is what? Acceptance. Look at 1 Samuel 16 and 1. This is where we ended, but I need to just give you revelation and we're out of here. Y'all all right, Wednesday? The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I have rejected him from being king of Israel? He says, how long are you going to sit here, Saul? How long are you going to stay in this place of grief? What does this tell you? God had accepted it. Why are you still grieving over what God has accepted? I need you to elbow somebody next to you and say, God has accepted it. Now you need to. God evidently is like, I'm good. I love him. Oh, I love him. I love him. I love him. But this seat here, I can't have somebody on this seat and in this seat that when I check them, they get an attitude. The barometer for what you can be trusted with is seen in your reaction to correction. If you cannot be corrected, you will never be trusted with anything. What you have, you got on grace. The Lord said to Samuel, how are you long? Are you, how, how long are you going to do this? 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 This is the Lord speaking to Samuel. I'm Samuel. So you the Lord. No, you're talking to me. We ain't talking to him right now. Yeah, because see, he should have did what I told him to do. You see, so you ain't talking to him, I ain't talking to him. Matter of fact, when you die, you know what he's going to do? He's going to go, he's, he's going to go get a witch. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to get what's called a necromancer. 
and he's going to try to bring you up from the dead. And he's literally going to conjure you up from the dead, Samuel. And he's going to bring you up and you're going to see him and you're going to get an attitude like, I'm trying to rest. I'm done down there on earth. That's so deep. See, that's Bible college deep. Because that makes it very clear to us in scripture that there are certain things that can happen that you call a spiritual phenomenon that the scripture makes it very plain and clear that sometimes somebody been playing with something they should have been playing with. But we ain't talking about that tonight. He literally, he literally, when Samuel is dead, he's like, I don't know what to do. So he goes and he says, listen, I need you to conjure up Samuel for me. And, and the witch is like, listen, Saul has banned us from the nation. If I do this for you, which means she knew she could. If I do this for you, um, Sam, Saul is going to find out and kill us. Saul was in a costume. Then she's like, wait a minute. You saw. He's like, don't say nothing. Don't tell nobody I came here. Listen, y'all with me? The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul seeing I've, since I've rejected him from being king over Israel? He says, fill your horn with oil. I need you to be full. I need you to be full. Because see, if you're not full, now we're going to swap. Now you're going to be Samuel. Character swap. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul since I've rejected him from being king? Somebody say, how long will I grieve over this? How long are you going to grieve over the fact that you, there's some people you cannot change? How long are you going to grieve over the fact that there's some friends that you need to recategorize? That's not a friend. That's a coworker. How long are you going to grieve over the fact that there's some people who are not going to support you the way you want to be supported? How long are you going to grieve over the fact that there's... Because people gone people. And you know what most of us are grieving? People, peopling. Can't believe he treated me like this. Bishop, he don't know what he's losing. Because it wasn't of ever any value to him. And while I'm on the subject, I got to say this. Because we live in this culture. I promise you I'm done. And I got to say this. It's on my list of videos to make. But I'll just say it now and I'll make the video later. I have to make lists. <laughs> We live in this culture that says, you need to know your worth. Know your worth, sis. Know your worth, bro. Worth is a relative term. You say, yeah, you stop selling yourself short. Listen, if you go on sale, don't be mad that somebody want a discount. Let me help you. Worth is a relative term, which means to some people, certain things aren't worth certain things. So it's not about knowing your worth. Here's what it's about, having self-esteem. Which means, watch me, I'm a value adder. So I know every place that I go, I add value to. Now, you may not be able to recognize the value that I add, which is just an indication to me that that means you wouldn't be able to recognize worth in the first place because worth is a relative term. But I recognize that I have esteem that is so healthy that even though you don't recognize my worth, it never negatively affected me because I wasn't looking to you to affirm my esteem in the first place. Because when you tell people, know your worth, baby, you wasn't worth that much to them. That's the most ridiculous, stupid teaching I've ever heard. It's stupid. It's not Bible. It's dumb. Back to our regularly scheduled message. 
Everybody's grieving. Watch this. Come give me some of my old school backup stuff. Give me my old school backup. Give me my old school backup. Everybody's grieving. Someone say, everybody's grieving. And God says, I need you to get your oil. I need you to get full. Say, I need to be full. He says, fill your home with oil and go. He says, I need you to be completely and totally full because grief has got you empty. And fill it with what? Oil. What does oil represent? The anointing. What is that? God adding his super to your natural. Somebody say, Lord, fill me up. Come on, Wednesday. We're going. Say, Lord, fill me up. Come on, say it with authority. Say, Lord, fill me up. Come on, say it like you need it for the next six months. Say, Lord, fill me up till I overflow. Till I overflow. Worship God right there, Wednesday. Fill me with your word. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your grace. Fill me with your strength. Fill me up. Come on, Wednesday. Come on, say, Lord, fill me up. Say, fill me up so I can go. Think of it this way. 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 You cannot get into a car and take a journey on empty. Somebody said, you so can't. Grief will deplete you. So then now, watch me. You're talking about, I'm just so tired. And it's 1130 in the day. You'll be wore out. By the time you do sleep, you don't, you don't really rest. You just close your eyes for a few hours. And you toss and turn when you do. But make this declaration. Say, but I'll be filled up. He says, fill your home with oil and go. You cannot take a trip with no gas. You cannot go if you are not full. And grief will deplete you. Grief will wear you out. But tonight. Last piece. Last piece. I'm going to send you to Jesse. Somebody say, hey, Jesse. Say it again. Say, hey, Jesse. What does Jesse mean? My gift from God. I'm going to send you to your gift. Pay attention. You're going to have to go get it. Which means this is out of your comfort zone. This is out of the realm of what you like to do. This is out of the realm of normal for you. This is going to interrupt your schedule, Samuel. This is going to interrupt how you want things done, Samuel. And I'm going to need you to fill your horn with oil. And I'm going to need you to go. Which means you're going to have to get to that fifth stage. You're going to have to accept. What do you need to accept that you refuse to accept? It's quiet in the building. It's quiet in the building. Fill your home with oil. I'm going to send you to whose house? Jesse's house. What does Jesse mean? Gift from God. The Bethlehemite. What does that mean? Meat and bread. What is that? Substance. Sustenance, excuse me. Look at this last part. This is my shout part. You ready? Y'all ready to turn up? Y'all ready to turn up? That's me. For I have provided. That's my shout. You missed it. You missed it. He said, listen. He said, listen. Your provision is in your press. 
I need you to fill your horn with oil. I need you to accept what it is, and I need you to go. And as you go, watch me, I am going to provide for you. I need everybody to lift your hands and open your mouth and say, and the Lord has already provided everything that I need. Say, and it's waiting on me. Come on, y'all, we going. Say, and it's waiting on me. Opportunity waiting's on me. Breakthroughs waiting on me. Favors waiting on me. New relationships are waiting on me. New partnerships are waiting on me. New people are waiting on me. Get up and go. Fill up. Get up. Go. Fill up. Get up. Go. Fill up. Get up. Go. Everybody get up. <laughs> Everybody get up. Did you get something out of this word? Um, so listen, your provision is in your press. When are you going to get to Jesse? You're not going to get to him until you get out of grief. I need you to listen to this very carefully. Most of us want God to show us what he's going to do before we do something. Am I, come on, y'all. Don't do me like that. I'm not the only one. Online, wave at me. Most of us want God to uh, do something for us before we do what we're supposed to do. Okay, like, Lord, if I'm supposed to do this, do this. And he's like, I ain't doing nothing until you do what I said to do. Your provision is in your press. Fill your horn with oil. Last time you did this, you ready? You ready? Y'all ready for this? This is a trigger. Because the last time you filled this, it was Saul. So I'm going to know you're over your grief because I'm going to do something to trigger it. Y'all not saying nothing to me. I'm going to trigger it. You're going to see a picture. You're going to get a call. You're going to see something. You're going to experience. I need to make sure you're over this. Because the last time you had a horn of oil, you were putting it over Samuel or Saul. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trigger it. Look at me, everybody. God triggered you. Mm, come here. Come here. God triggered you to see if you were in stage five. To show you where you were in your grief process. This is why for some of you in the last six months, you've had familiar situations happen to you. And it immediately took you back to a headspace from before. And you were like, wow, you didn't even pay attention to the fact that it was a trigger. Because the last time you filled your horn with oil, it was dealing with Saul. So I want to trigger you to see whether or not you're really healed. Whether or not you're really over it. Fill your horn with oil. Get up. Go. Well, Lord, when will I get to my gift? Keep going. Well, when will I get to it? Keep going. When will I see the check? Keep going. When is my phone going to ring? Keep going. When are the doors going to open for me? Keep going. Well, when are things going to when is, when are things going to turn around? Keep going. 
When are they going to give me an approval? Keep going. Keep going. And I don't know who needs to hear this tonight, but here's your word. If you didn't hear anything else I've said over the last 50 minutes, keep going. And ask the Lord to fill you up. Sing that line. Say, fill me up. Come on, everybody say. Till I overflow, I want to Come on, Wednesday. Feel me. Feel me up. Till I overflow. Till I overflow. I wanna run. I wanna run over. I wanna run over. Everybody say, feel me. Feel me up. Come on, lift your hands and tell them till I. Till I overflow. I wanna run. I wanna. I gotta keep going. I gotta keep going. I can't stop going. I can't stop going. I wanna. Just the voices fill me up. Come on, let me hear you, Wednesday. Come on, Facebook. I wanna run over. Come on, YouTube. I wanna run over. Everybody. Till I overflow. Till I overflow. I gotta run. I gotta run. I gotta run. So, Father, tonight we ask you to fill us up. Fill us with strength, grace, your spirit. Fill us with vision. Fill us with hope. Come on, whatever you need the Lord to fill you with in the building and online, just say it in the building online. Type it on the screen. Come on, we're about to go. We got to go. We're out of time. Whatever it is, just tell the Lord, fill me up. Whatever you need, hope. Whatever you need, clarity. Whatever you need, strategy. Whatever you need, answers. Whatever you need, a fight. Some of you need to get your fight back. Run to this altar if you're in this building and you need your fight to be filled up. Get to this altar if you're in this building. If you're online, just do the strength symbol. Just do the strength symbol. Come on, get to this altar as close as you can if you need your fight to be revealed. If you need your fight to be revealed. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for those that need their fight to be filled back up. I pray, God, that you would strengthen. I pray, God, that you would fill them up right now. And I rebuke the enemy that will try to come against their fight. And I say, get your fight back. 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 Get your, get your fight back. 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 Right now. Right now. Right now. Lete yandra baba. Roche. Lete yanta tarana mandiara boshe. Lete yandara baba. Get your fight back. 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 Get your
your fight back. Hey. Get your fight back. Come on, worship Wednesday. Say, fill me up. Get your fight back. Get your fight back. Get your fight back. Get your fight back. Now. 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 And Abbasai's coming to help. And help's on the way. Get your fight back. Get your fight back, Deidre. Get your fight back. Let us show. Come on, pray with me, Wednesday. Hey! Hey! You had to come back to get your fight back. You had to come back to get your fight back. You had to come back to get your fight back. Get your fight back now. And I pray it'd be better than it ever was before. And I pray that your worship would be stronger than it ever was before. And I pray you would not be distracted. And I pray you would not be distracted. And I pray you would not be distracted. No, don't say. Get your fight back. 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 And I pray God feel you. And I pray God feel you. Get your fight back. Get your fight back. And I pray God feel you. And I pray God feel you. They say, YouTube, get your fight back. Facebook, get your fight back. Whatever platform you're on, get your fight back. Fill me up. Say, fill me up. Lift your hands in this building and online. Lift your hands in this building and online. If you can pray in the Holy Ghost, pray in the Holy Ghost. If you don't even know what I'm talking about, just pray in your native tongue, whatever that is, English, Spanish, French. Atlanta, get your fight back. Jacksonville, get your fight back. Fishers, Indiana, get your fight back. Lord, give me the cities. Orlando, get your fight back. Los Angeles, get your fight back. Tampa, get your fight back. Lift your hands in Tampa right now. Lift them right now and lift them high. These next six months will be the best six months of your life. God pulled you back the last six because he needed to launch you forward in the next six. Say, fill me up. Fill me up. Fill me up. Say, fill me up. Fill me up. Everybody say, fill me up.
Lift your heads. On Monday night prayer, we're about to go. On Monday night prayer, our prayer was that you would have some results by 7-22-22. That procrastination would be gone. And for some of you, you're midway through this week and you're like, uh-oh. That word will not fall to the ground. Say, and I will make great progress. Say, over my next 48 hours. I'll take great steps of progress. I will not procrastinate. I will not put off. I will not hold back. 722-22. I'm coming for you. We're going to move on. If you need to become a Christian for the first time or recommit yourself to the Lord tonight, on the count of three, can I just get you in the building to lift your hand online? Do the hand with emoji says, we need to become a Christian, recommit yourself, Lord, or be sure. Where are we at? On the count of three, respond. One, two, three. If that's you, lift your hand in this building. Online, do the hand with emoji say, it's me. Hallelujah. Everybody pray this. Say, Lord, I bless you. You are my Savior, my Father, my King. Thank you. That you're not grieving over me. I still have a pulse. You still have a plan. And these next six months will be my best. If you just pray that prayer for the first time or recommitted yourself, Lord, text decision to 877-552-4746 or scan the QR code. Tell me you're saved, but you need a shepherd. You need a Samuel. You're a Saul. You need a Samuel. You're a Saul before all that mess. Say, I'm version one, Saul. <laughs> you that version. You ain't the other version. And uh, if that's you, you can connect with our family. You don't have to be in Denver. You can be in Denver. You can be in Atlanta. You can be anywhere across America, around the world. Scan that QR code or text join harvest is one word to 877-552-4746. If you came in late, you weren't able to give, get that ready. If you want to sow the seal, get that ready. If you're going to sow the seal tonight, you're going to attach it to 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel 16. And I will send you to Jesse's house. Jesse's house. You know, you know, you know what this seed is called tonight? Jesse. Yeah, let me, let me get my phone. I'm sewing into this. I love you, Wednesday. Amen. God is good. Don't forget, preview on Saturday night. Nine o'clock. Y'all like the previews? You sure? What did you do? Made when I backed against the wall And it looked as if it was over You, you made a way And I'm standing here Only because you made a What did you do Wednesday? Tell him. You made a way. You made a way. 
Come on, tell the Lord, say, you may. are given to the Lord in the building and the line. We gotta go. Lift your giving to the Lord. Say, I'm blessed to be a blessing. I'm a faithful giver. Therefore, I flourish. Thank you, Lord. This is my Jesse seed. I'm going to get my gifts. Come on, y'all. Say it with authority. Say, I'm going to get my gifts. Getting up out of grief. I'm going to get my gifts. Jesse, I'm on the way. Be ready for me. Don't make me wait. My seed seals this in Jesus' name. Amen. That's just the passing in the auditorium. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10. That's V-I-A-T-O-R-10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator.